Thanks to Harry's for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors is not an easy decision. So they created a trial offer. And you can claim yours by going to harrys.com slash fool. It's Tuesday, September 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. It's Merger Tuesday. Acquisition Tuesday. I guess it is Acquisition Tuesday. Although, as we talked about earlier today, there are plenty of Merger Mondays where it's like, look, this isn't a merger. This is really an acquisition. And it's not even Monday. Right. Right. So, hence Acquisition Tuesday. Um, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. Let's get to the first acquisition, though, and that is Michael Kors taking a page out of the tapestry playbook, buying yet another luxury brand, this time Versace, for $2.2 billion. You look at shares of Michael Kors, they're up ever so slightly. So Versace was a private business, so it looks like, based on the evidence that we have so far, Michael Kors at least is not being viewed as having overpaid for this luxury brand. Uh, well, but they they were hit yesterday. The stock was down about ten percent yesterday when the rumors of this leaked out into the market, and it wasn't confirmed until the end. So I think that you know, looking back at you know Friday's stock price, this is being deemed a mistake or overpaying or something. Of course, Coors had a history of being a rapidly Growing company between 2011 and 2015, they moved from 800 million in revenues to 4.3 billion in five years. Very impressive growth. The stock played along with that, and then the growth stopped. And for various reasons, they've sort of scaled down the store opening and closed some stores. And in the last Three and a half years, they've really more or less been flat in terms of the top line, uh, as they've they've tried to improve the bottom line. So it looks like maybe they're getting back into growth mode uh, and need to acquire another brand rather than try to expand cores beyond the current lines of, of wares that it has. If you're a core shareholder, you got to feel pretty good, even with. The drop because over the past year the stock's up about forty five percent even with this drop. So, yeah, I think that we've seen over the past decade both Coach and Michael Kors, Coach now Tapestry, but sort of the namesake brand Coach and Michael Kors have periods of growth, have periods where you looked at the company and say, you know what, yeah, they've they've overexpanded. They're they shouldn't be trying to go down market and discount and really get into outlet malls and that sort of thing. So, yeah, to your point, I think that if you're thinking about the next five years for Michael Kors, the namesake brand itself isn't necessarily going to be the greatest driver. No, and maybe they're going to be on the lookout for more brands. And it's they had a very concentrated position, that being the Coors brand, and they did really an amazing job in terms of that growth that I referred to. And the stock quadrupled from its IPO to sort of 2014, but then it got cut down from 90 to 30, 66 today. So it's visited a lot of interesting. Places over the last five, six, seven years, and today probably closer to rationally valued than uh, that a number of those times in the past. 
uh, as you say, it's had a good year because I think the, there's a little bit more stability to to the story than seemed to be the case uh, over over the last couple of years. So they've got the namesake brand of Michael Kors. Now they have Versace. They also bought Jimmy Choo. Do you think at some point they go the route of a rebrand in the same way that Coach looked at their brands and said, "All right, we need an umbrella brand because, at least in the case of Coach, they were sort of getting hit by the namesake brand results. Those were overshadowing, you know, Kate Spade and sort of the other things that they had under that brand, Stuart Weitzman, etc." Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they will change the name. To uh, Capri Holdings. Capri Holdings. Yeah. Why that? That's the the announcement. Did that just come out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I wow. I've read I've read uh, the one more article, I guess, uh, on on that includes that information, um, and that is, I guess, uh, you know, Capri. What do you think? You've you've gone after a few rebrandings in your day. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So does this pass the Chris Hill test? Well, I mean, let's be clear. The, the, it's in general, it's been a good indicator. In some ways, it's been a buy signal. If I attack a rebrand, because there have been companies that have rebranded, and I've ranted like this is either a stupid name or this isn't going to work, and it turns out that was the time to buy. So uh, let me put it this way: Capri Holdings makes more sense to me than Trunk, Trunk or Oath Tapestry. Tapestry. I'd say that's slightly above tapestry. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with Capri Holdings. No. Uh, I, th- I think that's uh, that's going to work out fine. And as you say, it uh, when you, they do rebrand like that, it communicates, I think, to the employees uh, of the acquired brand or you know future acquired brands that they are not taking a back seat to the name the name brand. And that that is, uh, I think, what it, what will mostly be achieved by you know, naming the company something else rather than keeping the Michael Kors name. Uh, you know, basically just the name of the the company and the stock. It'll have a new uh, ticker symbol, I'm sure. And uh, you know, I, I would look for additional brands to be acquired. Let's move to the second acquisition of the day, and that is Inspire Brands, which is the parent company of Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, and Rusty Taco. Inspire Brands is buying Sonic. For two point three billion dollars, that assumes the debt that Sonic had on the balance sheet. That's a premium of about nineteen percent. And if you're a Sonic shareholder, drinks are on you tonight. Ooh, it's been a good year for Sonic shareholders. Uh, before we go there, do you know what the uh, Inspire Brands company motto is? No. We ignite and nourish flavorful experiences. Okay, that's. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, that's something. Well, yeah, they got a rusty taco, buffalo wild wings. I could see the the ignition there, the igniting. You know, you got a little bit of spice there, but um, it seems it seems wordy, doesn't it? We sell food. Probably was a little too simple, but really, that's what they do. Now, all of my questions for Inspire Brands have nothing to do with the Sonic <laughs> acquisition. They have everything to do with how many people it took to come up with that. Um, that was a committee. That was not. That was not one person coming up with that. Oh no, 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 no! That was a bunch of people. That, that may have taken a year. And somebody, by the way, somebody was married to each one of those words. Someone was like, "Look, whatever else we come up with, flavorful's got to be in there." 
Yeah. Ignite. Look, I'm okay with that as long as we have some version of ignite or ignition. Yeah. And we're not a restaurant, and we're not we're not selling food. We're selling experiences. Yes. You know what? That's going after those millennials who who want experiences rather than uh, you know things. You know what, millennials? You want an experience? Get yourself into an Arby's. That'll, yeah, that'll be an experience. That's or or a rusty taco. I mean, to to go back to uh, to talk about the actual story to, to no longer making fun of Inspire Brands' motto. Um, this continues the trend, right? This continues the trend that we've seen over the last couple of years in this industry, which is it's hard out there. To be a publicly traded restaurant, and in the case of Sonic, it was how much? Sure, for that amount of money, we will hop on board. Yeah, and there there definitely are some economies of scale when you're putting together restaurants uh, that are working with a similar demographic. I think your uh, marketing uh, can be streamlined, and uh, the, the food costs can be streamlined by acquiring more more operations. So it looks to me not. Uh, getting into what the price tag was, it looks to me like it makes sense. Uh, Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Tacos, and and uh, Sonic all fit comfortably into the same sort of category in my mind. Um, which of those have you been to? I've been to Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, I've not been to a Rusty Taco because there are only because I looked at the website, there are only 28 of them, and they're concentrated in the western half of the country. Um, I've never been to Sonic. I, it's a very long time ago, probably when I was in college. I went to an Arby's. Yeah, and you? Uh, Sonic, Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, but not Rusty Taco. Maybe when you're in Denver, you can hit one. Maybe. Yes, so they have them in Colorado. So, so it's a must stop. Depending on how close it is to the hotel that I'm staying at. I don't know if you've heard, but it's a pretty flavorful experience. <laughs> That's that's what I've heard. So, getting back to Sonic, a good year for the stock, uh, and a relatively tough year for restaurants uh, in general. So, I think that uh, if they got a price that's worth being acquired at uh, now, is with the economy being where it is, uh, and with the future of uh, these types of restaurants being a little less certain, I think than they they had been. Although certainly more secure than. Your sort of mall-based retailers, uh, I'd, I'd prefer to be uh, hopping on board a, a conglomeration of, of known brand restaurants than something that is is stuck to malls. Uh, so it's it's a little different, but it's uh, still been challenging more more than anything. And people are eating as much uh, as ever, and, and eating out more and more is is still the trend. But the inflation in uh, input costs for food has been uh, pretty dramatic this year, and it's really been uh, eating up the margins of a lot of these companies. And we've talked about this with other uh, umbrella brands in the restaurant space. Uh, most recently, when we were last week, we were talking about Darden Restaurants and sort of their portfolio of, of eight different restaurant brands. I like to think that whether it's Darden Restaurants or Inspire Brands, they are. Getting as much data as they can on all of their different locations, and to the extent that it makes sense, they are swapping out concepts. They are looking at maybe some Arby's locations and saying, "You know what? Those aren't really working." But rather than shut them down completely, we're going to we're going to flip them, and now they're going to be a Sonic, or you know, we're going to turn them into a Rusty Taco, or or that sort of thing. Um, but maybe I'm giving them too much credit. No, I think that makes sense uh, to have that 
optionality in, in your business and not be married to a single concept. I mean, if you're Sonic and you're a standalone company, your choices are, well, it's how many more restaurants can we can we build? And if you have been in business as long as they have, there's a good chance if you're a good operator that you're in the best locations already. You're not getting around to premier locations where you're going to increase your per restaurant uh, you know transactions. Uh, so I think having you know as as you see with something like Taco Bell and and KFC and um, Pizza Hut, where there may be all three available in one location, uh, that might be something that someday you're going to see with with these these companies. Quick shout out to Harry's. I've been a customer of Harry's for years, long before they started sponsoring this podcast. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, and they know that switching razors is not an easy decision. So they created a trial offer, and you can claim yours by going to harrys.com. Slash fool. I actually need to go to Harry's.com/fool to do a little shopping. I'm running. I'm I'm low on supply. I'm good on razors, but there are a couple other supplies that they've started selling that I I need to pick up. Soap. Uh, no, I I do have the soap though. Um, I'm good on soap. I need to get some more of the uh, the the post shave bomb with the aloe. It's got the aloe. That, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but it's got aloe, and that makes all the difference. Um, you can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. And Our dozens of listeners can redeem their trial set by going to harrys.com. Make sure you go to harrys.com to redeem your offer, so you can let them know that uh, we sent you. And it helps support the show, and we appreciate that. Uh, our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Jay in Atlanta. I'm a 24 year old millennial investor, and I own a Robinhood account from which I hold my primary stock portfolio. Unfortunately, most of my investing has been mostly speculative up to this point. Oh, Jay. Oh, Jay, what are you doing speculating like that? Uh, I want to do a better job at quantitatively analyzing the companies I'm about to invest in. Do you have any tips or advice for me in how to do so? Any tools or platforms or suggestions that you all have that could help in such endeavors? You're someone who researches stocks for a living. Any suggestions for Jay? Uh, yeah, uh, and actually, what I'll focus on first is uh, you took a pause and um, you know. So, what are you doing speculating? But I think that the uh, the good news here is Jay has identified not only that what he has been doing is speculation, uh, but he starts the sentence with "unfortunately, most of my investing." So he he recognizes that this is. Not who he wants to be, uh, and and that is, you know, when you recognize what your own uh, weaknesses as an investor are, uh, you're ahead of most, uh, and and that is, uh, I, I think, you know, recognizing the problem to an extent is, and I'm not saying this is a great problem, but I mean a big problem. But all right. People do speculate on stocks, especially when they first get involved with investing, checking prices multiple times a day, and you know, thinking like, oh, "This has moved up a little bit. Should I sell?" Speculating, right? And you and I have seen that in a couple of significant periods in our lifetime. And I'm thinking primarily of the late 1990s, when people started investing online, and you can speculate and do well. 
and you draw the wrong conclusion. And the wrong conclusion is, you know what I am? A phenomenal investor. Everything I buy goes up. <laughs> I'm just that good. And you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of focus goes into things which are best categorized as speculation. Uh, you know, you can take the marijuana stocks right now. You can take, uh, you know, um, Bitcoin and and. Tremendous amounts of attention because the movements are so dramatic in such a short period of time, and I think that uh, those are, if if not every part of those stories is speculation, a large chunk is, and I just wouldn't get started on things like that. If you know that you want to have some fun with a small portion of your money, do a little, you know, have have your sort of speculative portion of your portfolio to. Massage that part of of you know what you your attention, that's fine. But uh, you know, getting back to the latter part of the question, tips and advice uh, on how to uh, analyze companies. Of course, you know our our site, and by our I mean the, the Motley Fool site uh, is one we always recommend to get some ideas and follow uh, people that are interested in sharing ideas about stocks. Um, I would read. Uh, Jack Bogle's work, anything by Jack Bogle, uh, which focuses on the long term, focuses on, on you know the appropriate expectations to have uh, for investing, uh, and also uh, the importance of keeping costs low when you do so. But that that is not really going to address none of what he writes about really gets at buying individual companies. Uh, so as I say, I think. Um, uh, I don't want to just plug the, the fool.com site, uh, but it's always been a good one for that. I'll throw another one out there, which is, um, and this this goes for Jane, this goes for anyone listening, is particularly if you're just starting out, it's been my experience, and I think a lot of people's experience, that the the stocks they tend to do the best with are the businesses that they understand. So I would say, look at your circle of competence. Look at, well, what are things that you understand? Some people are really smart when it comes to science. Uh, maybe they have a college degree in that, and so they're far better equipped to look at biotech stocks, pharmaceutical stocks, etc., than I am. Um, what I would say is, wherever you find your interests gravitating towards, I can promise you there is absolutely um, not just a general business news site like Fool.com or you know or CNBC's website and others, Bloomberg, etc., out there. But there are also trade publications. So we were talking earlier about uh, Sonic being acquired. Uh, you look at QSR. You look at Restaurant Business News. You know that sort of thing. Like there are trade industry publications for whatever industry you're interested in, and that's a that can be a really great resource as well. Yeah, I think books are are a good resource. Books, books, yes, <laughs> books. Peter Lynch's books are a good place for uh, a young and uh, you know new investor to start uh, reading some of his stuff. I think the numbers are somewhat outdated uh, from the time that he was writing. You're not going to find a lot of stocks uh, at the valuations that he was able to write about and where he made so many great investments uh, and his money. So you got to make certain adjustments to a market that doesn't offer. Uh, obvious steals uh, the way he was able to write about, but uh, just going through 
his thought process, uh, I think, is good. The Warren Buffett way is a good book for for actual learning about some uh, uh, valuation, not by Buffett, but about Buffett and about his uh, how he was finding stocks. It was written a couple decades ago, but I think the math is still good there. And speaking of Buffett, uh, if you go to the Berkshire Hathaway website, uh, you will find two things. One is you will find a website that appears to have been built in 1997, and second, you will find the annual letters from Buffett, and you can just pick any one of the recent years and just read those. Uh, very insightful, and it'll take you a lot less time than reading a book. Yeah, I don't want to come off as anti-book. I feel like I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's close with this, since uh, since you uh, you were Johnny on the spot with breaking news uh, regarding Capri Holdings. Um, here's here's some more breaking news, and this broke right before we started taping. Sometimes there's news that breaks right before we come in the studio. This was we were just about to start, and this news broke, and that is also in the restaurant space. Dunkin' Donuts coming out with the announcement that had been rumored for a while. Starting in January 2019, Dunkin' Donuts is rebranding to simply Dunkin'. This was unveiled at the Global Franchisees uh, Franchisee Convention, and uh, yeah, get ready for Dunkin'. You know why? Because America runs on Dunkin'. This is important news to you, <laughs> especially, and uh, everybody, everybody in New England. I guess. Oh even yeah, more than even more than the rest of us. Let me tell you what's going to be on the front page of, <laughs> of the Boston Globe, the Hartford Current, the Portland Press Herald, every major newspaper in New England tomorrow. This will almost certainly be on the front page, as it should be. Yeah. Uh, what else is there to say about it? Uh, well, the, the interesting thing is that so we were talking before about how did Inspire Brands come up with that statement and like you know that sort of thing, and it, it was a committee. Well, anytime there's a press release from, in particular, a publicly traded company, a lot of different people look at that. And what's interesting to me about the Dunkin' Donuts press release on their website is that there's a whole section down below after they rationalize, this is why we're changing to just Dunkin', there's a whole section that just goes out of its way to reassure the readers and the Dunkin' going public, we're still going to sell donuts. There's a whole section that's like, no, 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 just so, yes, we're dropping the word donuts from our name. We're still selling donuts, people. Everybody relax. We're still going to sell the munchkins. We're still going to sell the donuts. But it is—it's forward-looking, I think, uh, getting on sort of sort of the right side of history. Uh, and donuts, delicious as they are, uh, are not really really thought of very often as being healthy. Not in the same way that coffee is. No, not at all. And 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 in fact, to to mix those two together is to imply in some way that coffee might not be as healthy as it is by comparing it to donuts, which, are, as I say, are delicious. But uh, I understand getting out of uh, having that be part of the name, and I understand the need to uh, you know, assuage everybody that they're still going to be selling donuts, even if they're not going to be putting the idea of donuts at the front. Uh, you know, are you going to... Uh, you know, link to the the Saturday Night Live thing on Dunkin' Donuts with this on the Twitter or something. Oh, the you really should the, um, the so good the fake commercial they did when when Casey Affleck Casey was Affleck. Yes, yeah. uh, yes, I will put that out on the Market Foolery Twitter feed. It'll be all over today. <laughs> I mean, it'll be everywhere today. It should be because it's it's always worth a rewatch. It is.
Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. You can go to foolfunds.com and check out everything. Speaking of resources for investors, foolfunds.com. Find everything from Motley Fool Asset Management from Bill and his colleagues. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.